This is the day the Lord has made. Amen? Amen. Let us rejoice and be glad. And would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Exodus 26, 15 to 30. 26, 15 to 30. We are in the series of God's Tabernacle in Me. We are praying that God's Tabernacle would be firmly built uh, in us through God's Word. And God is prospering us through His Word. Amen. If you have found the text, Exodus 26, 15 to 30, please say Christ-likeness. And let us all rise for the reading of God's Word this morning. Make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, with two projections set parallel to each other. Make all the frames of the tabernacle in this way. Make 20 frames for the south side of the tabernacle and make 40 silver bases to go under them, two bases for each frame one under each projection. For the other side, the north side of the tabernacle, make 20 frames and 40 silver bases, two under each frame. Make six frames for the far end, that is, the west end of the tabernacle, and make two frames for the corners at the far end. At these two corners, they must be double from the bottom all the way to the top and fitted into a single ring both shall be like that so that there will be eight frames and sixteen silver bases two under each frame also make crossbars of acacia wood five for the frames on one side of the tabernacle five for those on the other side and five for the frames on the west at the far end of the tabernacle. The center crossbar is to extend from end to end at the middle of the frames. Overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars. Also overlay the crossbars with gold. Set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may take your seats. Father God, we come before you in Jesus' name, asking your spirit to illuminate our hearts, to receive your truth, your revelation, your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bars and the Church is the title of today's message, Bars and the Church, and some of you are a little bit puzzled as to what I mean, and please give me some time to explain. Some of you are thinking prison bars, some of you are thinking bars that sell alcohol. I'm not referring to any of those today. I'm referring to the crossbars of the tabernacle, the bars that hold the tabernacle together. Uh, they are set upon silver pedestals as we've learned in the past two Sundays. Today we'll learn about the crossbars uh, that come uh, and cover uh, this tabernacle so that it holds it together firmly. Uh, these bars are not just normal crossbars. They have been uh, directly commanded by God to be made in a particular shape into a particular function 
And we understand that if any structure is to be held up, it has to have some kind of binding. And as a child growing up, I used to sing this song a lot at church, and I don't know if you know this song, Bind Us Together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Right? You sang this song, you know this song. If you don't, you can search it on YouTube. It's a great song. Uh, together with love that cannot be broken. Uh, we want to learn about these crossbars today, and the other picture is going to help us uh, learn a little bit more, because uh, we're going to go directly to a, a uh, portion of Scripture in the New Testament, because we already know that the tabernacle is an expression of heaven on earth, is a type of Jesus Christ, and Jesus, who uh, fulfilled the law and the prophets by him becoming uh, the tabernacle in flesh. The word of God became flesh and tabernacled among us. But you may see here that there are five crossbars on each side, and because the east side of the tabernacle here is open, uh, all the other sides have five crossbars each. And today I want to give you uh, the meaning of these crossbars because it's very helpful for us to know as people of God who worship God because we are the temple where the spirit of the living God dwells. Amen. There is a personal tabernacle, but also there is a community tabernacle. That is who we are as a church community here on earth. But also the church as we know it in the New Testament uh, was uh, birth through Pentecost. And every time I hear Pentecost, it just gives me so much joy. Uh, for Holy Spirit has dwelt and filled the hearts of God's people to raise up his church. The birthday of the church of Jesus Christ is Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and when Pentecost came, uh, we find what happens in Acts 2. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. It's going to be helpful for you to, to know this context of how the church was born and what made the characteristics of the church the church. And perhaps these crossbars, uh, 15 in total, uh, will help you to think about your personal relationship with God, but also our community's relationship with the Lord. Let me direct you to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's just one, one verse. Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Four things that are outlined for us here in the New Testament church straight after the Holy Spirit has come upon the church. Now, if you see the picture uh, ahead of you, uh, the picture has uh, four crossbars, and then there is one long crossbar that goes along the center. Through Acts 2.42, I want to help you understand the four crossbars that are a little bit shorter in length, and then later on I will uh, explain to you the, the longest crossbar. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for on one side of the tabernacle, there are five crossbars. Four are a little bit shorter, and there is one long one that goes the whole distance of 45 feet. 45 feet. Uh, the south side and the north side. Uh, but first, let me do the, the shorter crossbars first. Uh, are you with me? There are four shorter crossbars, and there are four characteristics that we find in the New Testament church. Number one, they were all devoted to the apostles' teaching. In other words, the, the life 
and the teachings of Jesus were spoken through the prophets. The life and the miracles and the teachings and how Jesus lived, how Jesus walked, how Jesus talked was shared with the people of God. It's what you're doing right now. Listening and devoting your hearts to the word of God, the truth that gives us life. We all believe that the word was with God and the word is God. Amen? And he was there at the beginning as, as God created the heavens and the earth. And God has given us this wonderful love letter to know him and to trust him, infused by the spirit of God. Now, the apostles' teaching were accepted not as a lesson to be learned, but it was a lifestyle to be, uh, to be lived out. There's a difference between a lecture and preaching. A lecture wants to give you information. Amen? Uh, the information about this, this, and this, and this, and hopefully you'll get it right when you get the test. Preaching is for transformation. The preaching of God's word is for our hearts to be so transformed that something penetrates our soul to the depths of our being that something changes. Something just uh, transforms in the way that we were thinking in a certain way of hopelessness, joylessness, and peacelessness. And through God's word and by his spirit, it's transformed to joy, peace, and hope in the Holy Spirit. Something that's transformed. And it's not because the preacher is a great orator. It's not because the preacher wears a suit and has nice hair, although your preacher has nice hair and wears a nice suit. It's not about the preacher. It's about the message and the potency of the Holy Spirit reaching each heart. And sometimes I might even say some stuff in Korean and you, as the hearers of God's word, may even understand that by the power of the Holy Ghost. No amens here though. Maybe I speak Portuguese and you understand it. Maybe I speak Hebrew and you understand it. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the message of Christ that transforms. And therefore, the people of God were heeding the apostles' teaching. And that is one crossbar of the church that is held together by the word of God. Now, uh, I've, as I've been praying through uh, the teaching of the apostles, uh, you know, it's, it's doctrine. It's something that's fed to you over and over and over again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. All of these teachings from the Bible uh, is being shared from the apostles. But there's one teaching that is very important, uh, and it comes in Matthew 28. And all of you, probably all of you, know this off by heart. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And if you know it, you can recite it with me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the, the great uh, commission of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he wants all of us to live under and live for this great commission. And so probably the apostles' teaching included... This, and hear me carefully, Matthew 28, verse 19. And teaching them, what? To obey. Teaching the followers of Jesus to obey what? Obey everything Jesus has commanded. Not some things that I like. 
I like this. I can choose this. I dislike that. Oh, that part about denying yourself and caring. I, I don't like that. Uh, sacrificing. I don't like that, so I'm not going to do that. What the apostles' teaching was focused on doing was teaching them to obey all. Everyone say all. all. Not some, but all to obey the teachings of Jesus. Every single nook and cranny, every single piece to obey Jesus' teaching. And through that, the church of Jesus Christ is held together. But also your personal worship, places of worship, your personal faith unto God is held together as we obey the commands of Jesus. Obedience is better than sacrifice, the Bible tells us. It's not about putting a million dollars in the plate. It's about giving your obedience to him, saying, I surrender all. But many of us, as we sing, I surrender all in your hearts and in your lives and in your decisions and in your choices, what you sing is this. I surrender some. Some to thee. My blessed Savior, I surrender whatever I can give, whatever fits in my schedule, whatever leftover time I have. You see how it goes. I think one of the worst times of sinning inside the church is our times of praise and worship. Because the words that we speak and sing do not match the lives that we live. And by the way, <laughs> I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm pointing all my fingers at me. Because I am convicted of this. Sometimes I pause and think about what I'm singing. And does it match my lifestyle and my decisions and my every choice? Lord, have mercy on me. I repent before you. And Lord, I sing this song, I surrender all, as an anthem of who I am becoming as you are sanctifying me by your Spirit. Yes, Lord, make it so that I surrender my all to you every day, each day, every moment. And that was the teaching that was given to the people of God. For those who feel perhaps left out, Perhaps those who feel like I don't belong, I'm on the fringes of this church, or I don't know if I'm going to switch from this church to the other, or whatever the case is, make sure that particular crossbar of the apostles' teaching, the Word of God is so embedded in your hearts, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Now this week, again, it's been a wonderful week of prayer because my, my mentor is here, and every time I come to pray, my mentor prays with, with me and for you, and, and I've just been so uh, just blessed by the fervency of prayer that my mother-in-law prays for this God's church. And during her prayer times and after her prayer times, we have a time of discussing how the Lord has been speaking to us. And one of the convicting things that I've learned from my mentor is that there may be people on the fringes of this church. There might be people who feel like, I, I, do I really belong here or not? 
it's like, it's like the frames of, of the tabernacle. Like the frames need to come together. The boards need to be aligned together. 48 in total. Amen? 96 silver bases in total. But somehow some boards, some people of the fellowship feel like they are one board out there. And then there's one board missing. And so I've been praying for those who feel like they're on the fringes. People who are contemplating on leaving for a different religion or to a different church. I don't know what it is. And yet the Lord has, <laughs> has been working uh, in my heart. Lord, would you soften their hearts? Lord, would you help them to know that although our church is not the perfect church, we serve a perfect Savior. May they come to church knowing that they'll be taught the word of God as the Acts church were taught with the apostles' teaching. May we be devoted as hearers of God's word, but not only hearers, as doers of God's word. And Lord, if I have failed in loving them well, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. So it's been a week of wonderful repentance. And by God's grace, we will continue to go in that direction of serving the Lord with this crossbar of the apostles' teaching, preaching the word of God. If I ever come up to the pulpit with the Reader's Digest and say, turn to page 27 of your Reader's Digest, and we're going to read a, a theme or a chapter, although there's probably nothing wrong. Does that even exist anymore? I have no idea. Nonetheless, if I preach anything else but the word of God, you have permission to say, Pastor, you preached in October that you would preach from the word of God and that the church is held together from the apostles' teaching, from the word of God. You have all the permission to come and speak. But by God's grace, may we never falter from the truth of God's word. What is the second crossbar we find in Acts 2.42? It is the fellowship. It is also in Greek, the koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. It's all Greek to us, right? Koinonia, uh, the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, this week I was able to visit a family, a wonderful couple, uh, probably the longest members, longest standing members of our church. Uh, and we had a wonderful time of fellowship uh, and we were talking and they talked about uh, the many times that there were ups and downs in this particular church. Can, can anyone uh, kind of... Think about the ups and downs of what we've been through here at Danvers Church of the Nazarene. By God's grace, we're still together and still our mission. Uh, but this particular couple was sharing with me about the times when there was financial crisis. And they weren't able to pay the mortgage. And, and they had to pay on that particular Monday. And so the pastor said, everyone, we are not going to tithe today on Sunday morning. He said, everyone, we are going to tithe 90% of everything that we have. Why is it getting so quiet in here? <laughs> 90%, not a tenth, but 90% of, let's say I earn uh, $10. That means I give $9 to the Lord, hallelujah, and I live off the one. And no one's so excited right now. But <laughs> wait for the time when you're faithful with a little and God gives you a lot and you earn a billion dollars and you give 90% away and you're still left with, I don't know, math. But anyways, you'll have enough. You'll have enough. Nonetheless, what the church members did, the faithful ones, they gave 90% of their income. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. 
And they lived off the ten, and there were people who were in need of food. So the people in the church who had more food would share the food with their members. Ooh, what fellowship. What koinonia. What kind of love is that? That's the love that binds the church together. That is the kind of fellowship that God's desire, God desires here and for all of the churches in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Sharing, caring, loving, being able to uh, support one another with prayer, being able to say, I'm praying for you, sister, I'm praying for you, brother. Being able to go to the emergency room and say, I'm praying for you. Being able to visit people in their homes. By the way, one of the things that I miss as a pastor is visitations. I would love to visit you. It's just no one invites me. Now, no one is an exaggeration. Some of you have invited me and we've had meals together, praise the Lord. But how on earth are you going to get to know one another without coming to the table together? Which leads me to the third crossbar, which is the breaking of bread. Think about the people that you're close to in the church. If you've had a meal with them or coffee with them or tea with them, then you get to know them. You get to know that they have siblings. How many of you know that I have siblings? Well, I have one sibling. Um, I have a brother. But many of you didn't know that. Why? Because we've never had coffee together. We've never shared a meal together. Sharing a meal is such an important part of the church of Jesus Christ. Coming together around the table of the king. Communion is important. Amen? And having dinner. And this week, we, our staff went on a mini retreat, and we were invited to PC's house. And PC asked me specifically, Pastor, can we have communion as we gather together? Absolutely. So we're able to have communion in her home and share food fellowship. And by the way, the food was amazing, amazing, amazingly good. And the fellowship together was amazingly good. And the time of Bible trivia was epic. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to answer anything. <laughs> that's okay. I just held my ground and I watched these, uh, our, our staff and our family members able to answer questions about the Bible. Praise the Lord. That's the third crossbar. Let me challenge you. Invite somebody out for coffee this week. And there's some missing seats today. Maybe you give them a call and say, hey, we missed you. What's going on? How can I pray for you? And some of you are thinking, that's the pastor's job. Wrong! Thank you, Debbie. You're the only one who agrees. It's our job. It's our church. It's our family that we need to take care of. If somebody in your family did not come to Thanksgiving, are you going to be like, oh, well, maybe they're busy? You're not going to be like that. You're going to call them up and say, hey, what's going on? Well, is everything okay? Do you have a flat tire? Do I need to come pick you up? What can I do for you? That's the family of God. That's the sanctuary that God wants to see happen here in Danvers. And the fourth one is devotion to not only prayer, but to the prayers. There are praying uh, in the temple, and there were certain times that they would go pray in the temple. They would pray in their houses, so they would be devoted to praying together. It's what we did today, praying as you lay hands, as you pray, Lord, bless them. Do you know why it's so important that you bless your pastor and your pastors and your staff? Because 
if your pastor is blessed, who's going to be blessed? Debbie said you. So if I'm blessed, I'm the only one that gets blessed? It overflows. Exactly. It overflows so that we begin to hear clear messages from the word of God that reveals to us how much God is for us. How much God loves us. And I'm so grateful to be a part of a praying church since 2021, March 1st. We have been praying without ceasing every morning at 5.30. Can you believe it? Hallelujah. And some of you have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good through the morning prayer, but the invitation is open. But for those who have been consistent and committed and devoted to the prayers, guess what? Their faith has been built up. They have actually seen and witnessed and tasted the miracles and the signs and wonders of God. And they have been able to align their hearts with God. Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean praying at 5.30 in the morning is the answer to everything. But it could be a start of something. It could be a start of something that is revolutionary in your lives as you start your day with the Lord in the word and in prayer. And that is the fourth crossbar that the Lord has pointed to us that holds the tabernacle together, that holds our personal tabernacle together, and that holds our community of faith together. Now remember this, this tabernacle is a model of heaven on earth and it's a type that points to Jesus Christ. And Jesus was the walking tabernacle, as it were. He had every element in him and he would fulfill everything that God had prophesied through the prophets. So what were the four crossbars devoted to the apostles' teaching, the word of God? Devoted to what? The fellowship koinonia. And fellowship looks like uh, relationships around the table, which leads us to the third, which is around the table of the king. Communion and eating together, breaking bread together. It doesn't have to be something elaborate. Oh, I didn't prepare the filet mignon, pastor. You can't come to my house because I don't have the I don't need to have the best of the best. You can present me with mac and cheese for all I care. It's about you. It's about that time. It's about setting apart that time so that we may fellowship in the Lord and to share our lives, life on life, missional communities that's built up on the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abiding within. And then the fourth is being devoted to the prayers. But you're so... focused now on the longest crossbar. I wonder what that binding would be. Can anyone guess? You don't need to say it out loud. It is the bond of love. It is love that God gives from heaven above, expressed through Jesus Christ, and the bond of the Holy Spirit that wraps the temple, the tabernacle, the place of worship, the sanctuary together. And it wraps us. It's God's love that has brought us together here today. It is by his mercy and his grace that we have come to the knowledge that we were destined for death and doom and hell. By the way, there is a hell and there is a heaven. 
Don't believe everything you watch on TV. Well, God's so loving, uh, you know, he's never going to do anything like that. There are many ways to God. Not according to the word of God. There is only one way. His name is Jesus. All the people that people uplift as religious figures, they're all dead. There is only one Savior who has died and rose again from the dead and he lives forevermore and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus Christ. Only Jesus saves. And Jesus showed his great love for all humanity as he walked this earth, as he died for sinners, and as he was raised from the grave. Now we have new hope in him. New hope in him. I don't know about you, but there is that moment in our lives when God's love becomes so real to our hearts. We call that the first love moment. Remember your first love? Not your sweetheart of you know, high school sweetheart, but your first love for Jesus. The moment when you first said yes to his forgiveness. It could have been many, many years ago. It could have been yesterday. But his love for us is so potent. And his love is what holds us together. That's why that crossbar is the longest one that holds the church together, that holds you together. What is that one element in your life, if it was removed from your life, you'd think, I have no meaning and purpose for this life on earth? Is it your children? Is it your wealth? Is it your job? Is it your prestige? Is it your house? Your property? Your cars? What is that one element, if removed, you feel like, oh, I'm just undone? For believers in Jesus Christ, that one element is Christ alone. If Jesus did not come and find me and rescue me, I'd be lost, friends. Lost forever. And yet Jesus came into my heart and I said, I'm going to open my door to you, the door of my heart to you, because he's the one who stands at the door and knocks. I said, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you. He says, it's all right, son. I paid for your sins. Now I want, to, I want to come in and I want to eat with you, dine with you, I want to fellowship with you. And, and not only that, I want, to, I want to empower you with my spirit and now Holy Spirit's going to clean house. All the dirt and grime of yesteryear. You don't need to live in shame and fear and guilt anymore. You can live in the freedom that I'm going to give you because I'm going to live with you. I'm going to command your destiny. You don't need to be wavering like that ship that's out at sea with no compass, not knowing where to go. I will give you a reason for living. And that is to be fully devoted to worshipping God. Following his ways. Again, what does Jesus say? Teaching them to obey. Everything I have commanded you. We have a long ways to go to obey everything Jesus has commanded us. For how can you obey something that you don't know? That's why we're doing the Bible reading together because I want us to be a Bible literate church. Can I get an amen? 
And if you're behind a couple of days, that's okay. Do today's reading. Read the Word of God and let the Word of God read you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you through His Word, through His truth. And don't pick and choose. I like that, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. And then you find your, all your Bible is missing the truth of God's word because you didn't like everything. There were some scholars, so-called scholars, who took out every miraculous thing from the Bible. What did they have left? It's a book filled with awe and wonder and signs and wonders of what God has done. He brings the dead to life. He brings joy to the joyless. He brings hope to the hopeless. He is able to redeem those who feel like they're so far gone. But no one is too far gone, amen? Everyone is able to come. And everyone is able to be embraced as they repent and confess of their sins and be embraced by this bond of love, the love that covers all sins, the love that forgives, the love of God that embraces the love of God that is patient with you and patient with me. Sometimes I think about the patience of my God and his love for me. He has to teach me so many times lessons over and over again. And he's not, he, he doesn't like say, well, why didn't you learn the 55th time I taught you? He's embracing like a, like a daddy who, who loves. Oh, son, let me share my truth, my love to you so that you may walk in freedom and in joy. No more in bondage, but free to love God, free to love others. There are 15 crossbars that hold the tabernacle together. Each of them, God, I believe, has given meaning. But the longest crossbar is the love of God. And, and Paul puts it so well in 1 Corinthians 13. He says at the beginning of that chapter, at the end of chapter 12, for I will show you the most excellent way if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love. I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is God's love, God's agape love, God's unconditional love, God's love that is so abundant. And do you know why our church is still standing today? It's because of that long crossbar that has been embedded in your hearts, God's love, and the long crossbar that has held us together as a church family. It's God's love. It's his love 
for you, for me, and his bride, the body of Christ, the church. It is his love that has embraced you, that has kept you through all the difficult times. And I want to say thank you to our members of our congregation. You have held your ground. You have been faithful through thick and thin. And as I sat with the longest standing members of our church, they're 85, by the way. They've been serving the Lord here. They actually built this building with their hands. I said, thank you so much. Because we're standing on your shoulders. We're standing on your sacrifice. Giving your 90% away and living on the tent. Can you even imagine? But without that kind of sacrifice, we would not be able to be here. And think about the many, many, many gospel preachers that have stood on this platform and shared the love of Christ through preaching of God's word. Praise the Lord for them. Praise the Lord for them. Amen? The many, many people who came, maybe for some shorter seasons or longer seasons, we don't know, but those who have invested and toiled and committed themselves to the work of the kingdom, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why did we experience that love? It was because it was God's love that compelled them to do so. And it's God's love that compels us to continue to fortify this church and your hearts of worship towards God because that strong structure of the tabernacle which goes on to become the temple which goes on to become the church is a place of worship worshipping God and do you know why I ask you to turn off your phones before the service and I ask you to keep your hearts reverent before the Lord because when the spirit of the Lord dominates a church, there is much awe and wonder. And that is holy awe, friends. Reverence for God. Do you know that God is holy? He's holy. He is set apart. He has no sin. There is no darkness in him. He is God. And when we come together into his presence, his power dominates us and the spotlight of his Holy Spirit shines on our hearts and whatever that needs to be removed it's cleansed by the blood of Jesus as we repent and there is a transformation of heart what the doctors of the earth cannot do the divine doctor can do hallelujah not only to shine the light so that we may see what's going on but that light that becomes fire in our bones and that Fire that purifies us to become the holy bride of Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you to our church family. Because you have shown me what love looks like. In the 11 years that I've been a part of this church family, my wife and I, we've been through ups and downs. Our family has faced difficulties. There have been times where discouragement would come upon me too. There have been times where I thought, Lord, is this the right place to be? Or do I need to go somewhere else? And every time the Lord would speak his love to me and say, son, stay put. And that's been 11 years of being here 
But there have been more times of joy. Those times of discouragement have been very, very minute in comparison to the great love my family has received from this congregation. By the way, uh, my predecessor, uh, my pastor who, who invited me, he loved on me. And I'll be forever grateful for your love that has sustained this temple of the living God because my faith has grown. But how about for you? Have you thought about how your faith has been built up through the loving kindness of our God in this fellowship? If you have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good, now is the time to take your place in the church of Jesus Christ. Don't be on the sidelines. Come and be a part of what God is doing. When I was an associate pastor and, and doing my mentored ministry here, uh, the pastor would designate me places to do stuff. Yes, sir. Whatever you say. Why? I trust in the authority God has put on him. He is my covering. Whether it be cleaning out the kitchen or cleaning out the toilets or, or preaching or leading worship or leading Bible studies. Yes, sir. Why? I believe in the divine authority God has given the leadership and I would stand my ground. And by the grace of God, though at times I could not understand why and at times I did not really agree with what came through. And yet, God taught me obedience. God taught me full surrender. God taught me submission. And from that place, guess what? Of course, I was transformed. And a byproduct is that this church continues to thrive in loving God and in loving neighbor. I've been thinking about the past five years of my life. Five years ago, there was a change in leadership and, and, and the Lord invited me to a position that I had never dreamt of. I'd always been thinking about, praying about, you know, being a missionary, going, going to a remote place, sharing the gospel, planting churches, and doing, doing the work of the Lord in that kind of way. And when the transition happened, and by all, all the things that had happened, the, the Lord gave me uh, the, the compassion for this body. And it was His love that embraced me to say yes to his calling. And in the last five years, there has been a revolution in my own heart and in my own faith. I have seen God do wonders, signs and miracles, deliverance, healing, saving. I have seen God transform people. I have seen and witnessed and I have experienced God in such a powerful way that I shudder to think where I would be right now if God hadn't given me the grace to obey the call. And if that has been the marker of the five years of God being with us, loving us with that bond of love, what does our next five years look like? Are you getting goosebumps? Because I am. I wish I could show you, but I, I'm getting goosebumps. God can do wondrous mighty things through his church as we continue to look to him, as we continue to learn from the word of God and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers as we dive into what the Holy Spirit is doing. Guess what? God can transform people and God will impact nations in Jesus' mighty name.
He's already doing that. Already doing that. And it's not because of any person, not because of me. Because this is God's church and this is God's tabernacle. It was his idea. And it is his destiny that we align ourselves to. And we stand aligned to the cross of Jesus. And we say, I surrender all to you. Lord, have your way. Are your crossbars in the heart of your sanctuary today fitted to embrace that structure God has for you? Are there any loose pieces? Are some crossbars rotten that need reinforcing, overlaid with gold? Is God speaking to you today about some things that you decide that you need to decide to do for the glory of God? Are there some things that you see even in this church and you're not the one that points fingers and judges about why don't, why don't we have this, why don't we have that? Maybe God's calling you to that ministry and fill that place. Can I get an amen? Guess what? Five years ago, there was no youth ministry here at DCN. Did we have a children's ministry? It was barely, barely a tree, barely hanging on by a thread, according to our co-director, Monique Reese. <laughs> barely. But now, guess what's happening? We have children's ministries. We have a next-gen pastor. Praise the Lord. We have people that are serving once a month. Yes. Hallelujah. You're not signed on for life. We, we give you the right to uh, relinquish that right and go to a different ministry if it's not the right fit. Amen? Amen. We have youth ministry. We, we have what God has destined for us. Know this. As imperfect as your pastor is, I have determined and devoted and committed my life to love you. And to love this church. I've spent one quarter of my life here. You have raised me to become the man of God. And if that can happen in 11 years, guess what's going to happen at year 20, year 30, year 40? And by the way, I'm going to die preaching here. Not retiring. Not retiring. Because of God's love that holds us together. So for those who feel left out, come in. Come to the campfire of the Holy Ghost. Come inside the four walls and let us fellowship together. Let us grow together. And then, energized with that power, let us be sent out to the nations. Don't get too comfortable either. Because God may call you to be a part of a new church plant. It's getting very quiet in here. Don't call me to go, Pastor. I like it here. God may call me to go. And as much as I love serving you and the Lord here, you and I both know that we are the Lord's servants. And we will do his bidding. Amen. Let us pray as the worship team comes up. O oh Lord, the fulfillment of Scripture from the old to the new blesses our hearts to understand your great love. 
you have destined us to be your own, to be a community of worship that worships together, but also worships privately, wherever we are, wherever you call us. And Lord, we want to be obedient to your will and to your call. Thank you for the marks of grace that we have seen over the years. You have held this church family together with your love. We say thank you. And if the last five years is anything of your character, then we know that the next five years of what you will do here is going to be mind-blowingly awesome. So we look to you once again. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Have your way among us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.